0: Hello, and welcome to episode 258 of SMARTS, which, as you know, stands for...
1: Starfleet memorializes Aaron's rest through Starship.
0: Wow. Oh, I'm going to cry. Perfect. <laughs> oh, no. Who are you? I am Julia Guglia of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster, and with me, as always, is Trevor, a.k.a. Reddick Cube Podcaster. I'm seriously crying. That was okay. a nice one. You, oh. go off,
1: you go off and cry while I do the news. Okay. <laughs> So we actually have quite a bit of news this week. I think all of the news from the past few weeks has been condensed into this week, okay? Okay. So um, a little bit of movie news. So the next Thor movie, Thor Love and Thunder, which of course is going to feature the return of Taika Waititi as director and uh, Natalie Portman... and Chris Hemsworth both as Thor, right? As oh, that's we as awesome. we talked about before. Yes. But um and this kinda makes sense given where the character was last left off. Um it was um reported this week that Chris Pratt will be joining the movie also. Stop. So it. we'll see some of that's the awesome. at least one of the guardians in there also.
0: <laughs> I am not. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Good.
1: So that's good news. Um <laughs>
0: Who's writing the script?
1: I'm sure Taika Waititi is is writing I mean, he wrote and directed uh, Ragnarok so I'm oh, sure he hes did I'm oh. sure he's writing this one also. I didn't know he wrote that that's yeah. awesome that's awesome okay um so some CW news this week so there was so you you recall like I guess I've kind of given it away but you you recall um a few weeks ago we talked about DC's future state event that they're going to be doing in January and February where they're going to be all their comics will be about this you know possible future of 10 years from now or whatever like mm-hmm. that right and we mentioned that the one of the new characters they're going to be introducing there is a new Wonder Woman who will be um, f- her like one of her parents is from like she's, she's I think part either South American or Brazilian or well South American is Brazilian. Right. But she's South American. Um, one of her parents is like from the Amazon, but like is actually turns out to actually be an Amazon or something anyway. She's an
0: Amazon from the La- Amazon.
1: Yeah. Lat- Latin okay. American, but with Amazonian roots. OK. OK. um. Apparently, the CW Mm -hmm. is developing a Wonder Girl series based on that character, even though she hasn't even debuted in the comics yet. Whoa. So, and, And what has also been revealed is that Joelle Jones, who's creating the character for the Future State event, is going to be working on a Wonder Girl series. That will come out after Future State. So basically, we'll be introduced to the character as Wonder Woman in Future State. Uh-huh. And then after Future State is over, she'll be introduced into the present day comics as a new Wonder Girl.
0: Oh, cool. And it's that
1: younger version of her that will apparently get her, own, get her own CW show in a year or whenever. Wow. So this doesn't... will so this will obviously be the first Latin lead yeah. of, a, of one of these CW superhero shows. And Greg Berlanti and um a female latin american writer producer person mm-hmm. woman is are going to be running the show so that's they've got awesome. someone you know appropriate behind the scenes and this is so i mean this is got to be this is pretty quick turnaround for, like the character won't even debut in the comics for 2 months and she's already apparently getting her own tv series but
0: wow that's so, awesome
1: so this will be i mean it's 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 interesting because of how original it is to have a character with that background right. be the lead of a superhero show. But also, when you think about it, this is introducing the Wonder Woman mythology to the Arrowverse for the first time. Also, right. aside from like a couple of little oblique nods here and there, like the one Legends episode where we saw like a beach and a Chiron that said Themyscira, right? Yeah. Um, so we'll have... So this is really like the last... I mean, I guess you could say, well, we haven't seen... They've been equally oblique with the Green Lantern stuff. Right. But we've literally got super Superman, yeah. kind of Batman, and now a Wonder Woman adjacent character here, right? Yeah. Like, we've got, we've, if we've got a Wonder Girl, I mean, are they going to do Wonder Woman eventually? Just like we got Supergirl, and then a year later, we got Superman, right? right and now right. Superman's getting his own show. So, yeah. you know, it's conceivable now that we might get that. Yeah. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. The other CW news is that apparently one episode on the upcoming season of Black Lightning will serve as a backdoor pilot for a potential painkiller spinoff. So they're going to be following the Khalil character Mm -hmm. as he... This is basically like if you what would a painkiller spin off be like? Write the synopsis. It's like this is basically what you would write. Like he's trying to get away from everything and find a peaceful life. He settles in this whatever town, but then trouble keeps finding him and he's gotta like reconcile his yep. killer instincts with his it's like that's basically all it says. Like you get no information there. But right. I, I imagine one episode this season will like cut away to what he's doing and yeah. introduce some new characters in a new setting. Yeah. And if the episode is successful, he could potentially get his own show.
0: Right. Wow. I mean, we
1: said from the beginning, from the very first episode that he was in, way back in season yeah. one, that wow, this this kid has got he's got, got real, such presence. He's got presence in real acting chops. And although we we sort of we're sort of run hot and cold on like, well, it seems like they've they've kind of gotten a little repetitive with him on the show. It's like, well, he's dead. He's back. He's injured. He's back. He's evil. Right. He's good again. Like, yeah. I feel like they did those turns one too many times. Mm-hmm. If you remove him from that show and and give him his own thing, yeah, then I could see it being.
0: A lot really, more dynamic, really yeah.
1: I do wonder if there's like, at a certain point, you're like removed from, you know, like a character that's that knows another character that is related to a character that is a headliner. You know what I mean? It'd be like, I oh know. i
0: understand it'd be like it'd well that's like, not fair because he actually does know i mean i know but he it, does know black Lightning. but it'd
1: be like giving so it'd that's be not like a fair i mean it'd be like giving dreamer her own show which would be interesting but it's like I'd, okay I'd this do is, <laughs> it's i do like, that i'd that i suggest that to superman's you superman's cousin's friend gets her own show you know it's like oh black lightning's daughter's boyfriend gets his See, own ch- if at you a certain frame point I feel like way. you're kind of diluting the brand Hold on, a little bit cuz
0: if you frame it that way that's a little cheese ball but if you actually frame them as the characters that they are which is like superheroes or anti-heroes or whatever they are like in their own right then who cares who they know they yeah, know on, a bunch of people
1: on its on its merits i i'm sure it could be a good show I just if you're if we're only going to have 6 or 7 of these shows which is a lot already obviously but if you're if you're only going to have 6 or 7 of them i mean can we get like an Aquaman show? Can we get like the Green Lantern oh, John Diggle show that everybody's asking for? Or can we I get I
0: know, but no, because you told me uh, that was my first guess. And I know, then my I'm, second guess I'm was just Dreamer. Saying,
1: I'm just saying if you're only gonna if you're only gonna have six or when seven you were of these shows, you this offline, yeah. yeah, a painkiller show could be cool, but I'd rather have someone more iconic, you know, taking up one of those slots. But I mean that's maybe, not the calculus but that's at work not, here. yeah so You you know, you got to get what you know, take what you can get. And it could very well be a good show. But like, I bet you
0: it will be a good show, first off. And second off, that kid, oh, my God, he deserves this kind of opportunity. He's such a good actor. And he's so such a good athlete, too. Like he does most of his stuff. I'm looking forward to it, like genuinely, that's gonna be great. And not only that, but I thought painkiller in the comics was quite I don't know of note you know like I I didn't think that he was like a remember I don't think I've ever I don't
1: think I've ever read about him I think he was he's just like a I mean none of Black Lightning's villains aside from Tobias Whale are really huge are really memorable at all and I think he's like a c-list well then they could do
0: but this is great I'm not even
1: 100% sure he is a Black Lightning villain because they they, they've used villains from other
0: yeah sure for this galleries for this but right Um, But I I think that that opens up more doors for um, making his character more fleshed out and sort of taking bigger ownership of of where this character goes i'm looking forward to so much
1: they could do an outsiders spin-off like they could have black lightning set up this team that maybe one of his daughters spins off onto that and they go off on adventures and it's a whole thing you know what i mean like i would kind of rather that but anyway i mean it could it could it could be good obviously it doesn't
0: have to be one thing or another it can be multiple things and i think this is a great place to start because he just i mean like you said left off from last last show Um, His character was in a healthy place, but also in a solitary place where he was going off to make his own way and partly find himself, partly atone for previous things that he did. Um, And then I just that's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much looking forward to this. That's a great idea. That's a great idea.
1: And the other Black Lightning related news is that the actress that plays Grace has been promoted to a series regular.
0: Yes. Oh, my heart stopped for a moment. I was like, what happened to her? (laughs) It's 2020. So we're seeing a lot lot more of her. I'm so glad. Oh, she's great too. That's awesome.
1: And then the last bit of news this week is that uh, DC announced that they'll be doing a new uh, digital anthology series called Truth and Justice, which will be spotlighting uh, new talent. So writers and artists that are sort of getting their foot in the door. Cool. At DC, working on, you know, whatever character... Strikes their fancy. so I, I hope think the it first, sells really well. I think the first storyline is going to be a Vixen story from some new creators yeah. and then, you know, whatever after that. But I mean, it's not oh. going to be like Superman or Batman. Ooh, I
0: have ideas. Ooh, <laughs> where do I submit my thoughts? <laughs> I have ideas. <laughs> I could be a writer mm-hmm. <laughs> one day. <laughs> All right.
1: And that's it for our news.
0: Yes, that was... Wow, that's a lot of news.
1: So what was your comic of the week?
0: This week, I picked Hawkman as I spoiled last week. <laughs> um... The final issue of this run of Hawkman was so amazing because, oh, it just made my heart sing. Um, First off, it picks up from last time where they were fighting against whatever, Imhotep. (laughs) Um, uh, The resurrected evil guy from from, uh, Egypt that had been following them. And originally we thought that he was part of their mythology like a triad. But honestly, the Hawkman and Hawkwoman have such a deeper history that it blows this little guy out of the water and turns him into an insignificant speck of a villain. Um, and overcoming the fear of death was exactly what he needed to do because this is their last life. And they don't know, but um, until the end of the issue, it's revealed that it's a very, very long life indeed. And it's such a lovely, lovely, lovely issue. And the ending of it just made me cry all the, all the tears, all the tears that I had. Um, it was so rich and powerful and so great and i love what they did with their lives too because it doesn't like you pointed out it doesn't invalidate anything that came before like they were still part of the jsa there was uh, um they were still part of the modern continuity um they can still go on being heroes while they're young and viral virile which lasts a long long time because of how it's explained in the comic and then you see them in the future like a far future um where they're old and gray, and summing up their lives, you know, Carter is still writing things down, and he, he knows that eventually history will forget all of this anyway, but as long as somebody wants the information, he wanted to be the one to catalog catalog it. Um, and she wanted to spend her life training the next generations, which turns out there were many generations, but that's how she spent her um Her long life, too, is doing what fulfilled her in that way. And then the two of them are still ridiculously cute together in their old age. And it just made my heart sing. It was perfect. It was really perfect because that's how she passes on her legacy is to train people how to fight and how to be superheroes. And he passes on the legacy by recording everything that came before and, you know, summarizing all the lessons that they learned in their very long existence as best he can to pass that on. I just, I love it because he's like a historian in every life that he lived. And here we see an entire library of diaries and journals that he filled. Oh, it's so romantic, it's so wonderful. And oh man, it's just great. And we don't even know how long their existence will be, but we're happy for them because they've got, they they lived a long time and they've got a lot more to go. So that's great. <sighs> That's so nice. I just loved it so much. Yeah, I like it.
1: It's an elegant solution to having them be like elder statesmen in the present like yeah. Wildcat and Alan Scott and Jay Garrick are while still having them be like young enough to to headline Look, you know, look young enough to headline their own series, because there's going to be another Hawkman series eventually, I'm sure. And you don't want them to look like they're 80 years old running around. So this exactly. is an elegant way of making them. The only thing that just occurred to me now is that I'm not, I mean, you know, weird time travel stuff or whatever, but because they had a lot of, they had adventures in the present, yes. right? And then this series happened and they got like plopped back into their 1940s lives. Yes. But as they aged through the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, they're gonna they're gonna come up on the time period when
0: they existed. In they the pers- already
1: existed. Uh-huh. So do they just hide? Do they just sort of like stay out of the limelight while their younger selves have their adventures until they disappear? Uh huh. And then they step back out again and say, oh yeah, we know where they went. They went back in time and became us and now we're here 70 years. You know what I mean? Right. Otherwise, you've got two of them
0: We came back hanging, a long or, way. hanging
1: around, yeah. right? Yeah. Overlapping with well, each other.
0: Well, why not take a little bit of a break?
1: <laughs> but I mean, that must be it because otherwise they would be overlapping. Like, and yeah. would, wouldn't wouldn't Hawkman s- step in and say, oh, by the way, you know, <laughs> it's it, it sort of, I don't know. It's would kind of be kind of like, because they know the future, right? right? Like, wouldn't they step in and say, don't trust this guy? Or like, oh, by the way, <laughs> this whole perpetua thing like that's going to be a problem right? right you know like where they just sit back and let all that happen again I like think they maybe have you're to. not supposed to think about it too much but well
0: first off yeah i mean as historians and time tra- travelers and multi-life livers i think that they understand the importance of letting things play well, out they're
1: not time travelers necessarily uh, yeah, they've, they've lived a lot of lives but they've been linear you know what i mean like they've never really been been in a position to like know what was about to happen so it's
0: except for this but still they've got the wisdom of multiple yeah. lifetimes Uh, in their pocket and I don't think they would interfere I legitimately don't because I think that they know that it would disturb you know the progression the natural progression of events and that everything will turn out fine anyway because these people
1: yeah I suppose have
0: have got it as it as it were so I honestly if I were them I'd be like this looks like a good time to raise a family it would just be (laughs)
1: weird because like you're hanging out with Hawkman one day Mm -hmm. and then the next day you meet up with him and he's like oh by the way like since I talked to you yesterday I just lived 80 years yeah because it turns out that me was sent back in time, and then I had to. So let me get this to... straight:
0: you live in a universe where a child was sent in a rocket ship from a different planet, crash landing in the middle of Kansas, and raised to be one it's of the, the most prominent superiors of it. Like, of it. And this is what disturbs you. I w- I w- it would have been nice
1: if, in those last couple of pages, if there had been. I mean, by this point, it's like the 40th century, so they would have had no reason to be talking about stuff that they did or didn't do 2,000 years earlier. But yeah. it would have been nice if there was some line in there or something about oh you know we had to stay out of history's way for a while so we didn't cause any weird paradoxes but now we can live I out in the I honestly don't again. need There's...
0: it. You know, I don't need it. They're smart capable characters. They know they would have known. They would have figured out what to do in that kind of situation cuz I'm sure that they thought of it. But they had the adventures they had and they those are no less valid just because they had those adventures first then flitted back in time 80 years and had earlier adventures later does that yeah. make sense like- and
1: obviously this this opens up the possibilities for them to show up in the legions time exactly. also and all sorts of things like that exactly so, yeah. so
0: this is exciting yeah, yeah.
1: so i picked a uh, punchline number one nice so it's, choice. it's a, it's a one shot it's not an ongoing of any kind although okay. this definitely sets up um, it really does it kind of ends on a to be continued but it's interesting because so i mean as a character she seemed kind of one note at, at the start like oh
0: Oh yeah, sure. I killed she's my like, professor she's like, for fun. Or she's, my like, she's like she's like Harley
1: Quinn, but she's even sexier and and meaner. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's she's like, like super mean. All right, that's not. She likes the anarchy. But okay. but here especially, I think you get the idea. Like she's a very. Di- I mean, the what made her interesting at the start was. I mean, in some ways, it makes her less interesting than Harley. But what set her apart from Harley was the fact that Harley was always out to fix the Joker. Right. She's, she always thought the Joker could be a good guy. Right. Yes. As deluded as that was. And yes. that was always what she was in it for. Like yeah. those moments yeah. when she could see that he really cared about her, or that he was a good guy. Now she was completely delusional, but that, that was her thought process. Right. Whereas Punchline sort of has has sort of descended into the same has sort of descended into the same kind of madness as the joke. She's like a true believer. She's like an acolyte. She yeah. wants him, she's like she wants to see his apotheosis, you know, yeah. like his ultimate joke. And she wants to be there and help that happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Apotheosis, but it, nice but word. it's but it's <laughs> and so like that that's an interesting distinction. But given those two premi- given those two premises, Harley Quinn as a character sounds a lot more interesting. Like someone who's someone who's like in a bad relationship and wants to fix the guy and is like is will go along with it and is kind of crazy herself, but is actually has a good heart. Versus like oh, this person's a true believer and just wants to do evil. That's, that's l- that seems fair. seems less interesting. But what this issue does, which is really smart, is it kind of makes her a Very different animal that could kind of only it's a character very much of the modern moment, you know. Like, yeah. she's leveraging social media, yeah. and sort of fake news and all that kind of stuff to sort of build her up, build herself up as like this, like, sort of like, not really cult leader, but so sort of this, this cult figure, like this sort yeah. of pop cult figure, yeah, that's got all these. Because, I mean, with the city already be, being so. It's in such turmoil after the Joker War and the revelation that there's all these people that would align themselves with the Joker and just do crazy stuff if given half a chance. And now the whole thing with Batman's whole worry is that, well, these people just took off their masks and sort of like went back into society and we have no idea who they are or how many of them there are. Yep. But we know that, you know, if, if things go a little crooked again, they're just going to start to cause more anarchy, right? There are all these people, you know, even if it's only 0.1% of Gotham, that's still thousands or tens of thousands of people that could align themselves with Punchline. And she's sort of spinning this narrative in the media Mm -hmm. about how she was a victim and all this other stuff. And you just, you know, she's wrapping all these people around her finger. And then when she actually, you know, pulls the other one and says, oh, but you know, we just we have to do this, this, and this and all these things and they're going to be like, oh, I'm sure, you know what I mean? Like yeah. even if on the face of it, it's I mean, it's all the stuff we see today, right? Like mm-hmm. people, you, you lead these, you start by telling people a little lie and then a bigger lie and you lead them down this path and then by the end, they're doing all this crazy extremist stuff without really even being aware of how they got from, from A to Z, you know? Yeah. And it's exactly that kind of thing and she's using podcasts and she's using YouTube videos mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it it feels very much like a character that it, it seems almost scarily realistic that could e- exist right yeah. now, you know. So, what do
0: you mean could? <laughs> I'm sorry, I could list some names. But here. it's
1: it's 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 really clever the way that they set her up that way, and so I, and I know that they have big plans for her across the DC universe in 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 the new year. So I think that we're going to see the stuff sort of percolate for yeah. a while and sort of, you know, yeah. And 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 at this point, like, I feel like just this issue kind of sets her up to be apart from the Joker. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like they're going to take the Joker probably off the stage for a while because he's just had this big storyline and now it's going to be more about her. But I mean, is she just, is she sort of priming this you know, group so that when the Joker does come back, he'll have this army waiting for him. Or right. does she have some other plan? Like, because she could, she could completely go off and do her own thing with all these people she's got wrapped around her finger, and it doesn't even necessarily need to be about the Joker anymore. She could just be carrying on his his like mission, say, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So like, there's a bunch of different things they could do. But I thought that it was real and and using um, using Harper Rowe and her brother as Sort of a an end to this story is smart too because she's a character that we haven't really seen very much since the New Fifty Two. I think I'm not even sure aside from seeing her in yeah, that she one, was new to me in, one, in a couple of episodes of Young Justice. Um, oh, as um, as um, Forager's uh, classmate, Friend. yeah. Um, and then she had that scene where where um, Miss Martian was the yeah. the counselor at the school, and remember Harper like brought a gun, yeah. To, and then she and she and um, Halo, Halo were like shooting cans and stuff and yeah. making out. And then, you know,
0: yeah.
1: Miss Martian had to have a talk with her because she was, you know, escalating, basically bringing a gun to school and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but she hasn't been in the comics very much since the New 52. They sort of, Scott Snyder introduced her, kind of turned her into Bluebird. And then she hasn't really been seen very much. Um, but using her here is like the kind of the the youngest, most distant of the Bat family you know like someone who's sort of only dabbles in it yeah yeah but similarly has like this hard luck background and you know yeah is very much a product of Gotham but isn't like necessarily super beholden to Batman like it's an interesting um dichotomy between her and Punchline and the way that if you use like Batgirl or one of the Robins it wouldn't really be as interesting and because she has this brother who's also had hard times Mm -hmm. he can kind of get sucked into this a little bit and now she's got personal stakes in it Mm -hmm. and again a way that none none of the other characters really could because they don't have siblings or really like a close person that could be pulled into it that way you know right right um so it was clever to to use that as a lens and if it's if this is a way of of telling more stories with harper too then that would be cool because she was a she was a cool character it's just that they didn't really do much with her after the new 52 but it'd be cool to to see more with her so yeah yeah it was good so for our activity this week, uh-huh. I thought I would, we, would do, we would rank uh, some stuff to do with the current Gundam series that we're watching. But because we've only seen about a third of it, what I thought we would do is rank the most intriguing Gundam X characters. Oh, okay. So because there's a lot of characters in this that are sort of vaguely mysterious for okay. one reason or another, I thought we could talk about which characters we think are the most mysterious? intriguing.
0: <laughs> well because okay.
1: you can be mysterious and like yeah okay i don't really I don't care, care. what this guy's yeah. story is. or you can be like oh man i really want to know more about like this tell character, me right?
0: more yeah
1: so the five characters i picked are tifa okay Jamil, the captain uh-huh. um royaby and wits the two uh-huh. uh sort of like freelance <laughs> pilots <laughs>
0: uh-huh. and
1: uh shag i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing this right shagia and olba frost who are the two brother bad guy characters that we've oh, seen a few times
0: yes. okay
1: um so do you want to go first or do you want me to go first this time you should go first. Okay. So, I mean, the reason why I said to you earlier off, Mike, uh, the, that I yeah. think last night's episode kind of ruined the quiz is because we knew very little about Royby and Wits. And then we kind of got an episode that we watched last night that kind of tells us all about them and gives <laughs> us a lot more characterization about yeah. them. So now I don't feel like either of them is very mysterious at all. So for that reason, I feel like either they'll have to be at the bottom or entirely disqualified. Okay. Um, I think that Jamil is interesting because the idea that he was like this, he, it, it's, the way that it's set up is like this post-apocalyptic Gundam show. Like, what if the one-year war had gone bad? I mean, mm-hmm. it did go like bad, even, but what if it went worse. apocalyptic? Yeah. If you picture him as being like, oh, he was like a, he was the usual kid Gundam pilot, like yep. 15 years old or whatever, just like all the other pilots are. But
0: also a new type.
1: Yeah, but yeah, he's was, he's was like a 15, 16 year old new type, like mm-hmm. Amro, like Camille, like Judo, like all these other characters. Well, yeah, but, but those he f- are just
0: the protagonists. The sheer uh, uh, the the huge population didn't have new type powers. So his peers... Like he was the only new type among his peers. Amuro well, whatever. Was, I mean, so, so, I'm, I'm saying, not talking about peer groups. I'm
1: just saying, like he he was he was. You could sort of imagine if there'd been a prequel series to this, it would have played out very much like one of those other series where you've got this kid Gundam pilot with with superhuman powers, and he's fighting a war against the you know the rebellious colonists, mm-hmm. and there's a big battle at the end, mm-hmm. and that could have been a whole series, except it didn't exist, and he failed, or so right. he, or so he believes, right? And everything everybody died. We've seen. I mean, we saw Amuro. 15 years later and we've seen stuff like that but Mm -hmm. those Mm were for Amro, things I mean things weren't great but generally the conflicts that he was involved in generally were resolved to in the way that he would want so he it's not like he was living with a ton of right a ton of guilt I mean yes Lala died and his friend people he cared about died and he had to take a lot of lives, et cetera, et cetera, but he's not living with the guilt of having ended the world, basically. Right. So you've, you've got that guy and now you move him forward 15 years and and what is he like? So I don't know how much more there is to learn about him, but I, I, he's one he's a character that I'm like, oh, I want to see more of him doing stuff or learn more about him and, and stuff because I think that's sort of an interesting idea for a character. Um, Then I would, I guess I would say the villains because we have so little idea. I mean, it seems like they're aligned with the earth forces like they're Mm -hmm. trying to like revive the the earth government in a way to like
0: well it seems more militaristic to me but anyway but who
1: would they be fighting because i mean we don't really know are the colonies i guess there's probably still some colonies up there but maybe not and like who would they even be fighting and why so that's all sort of like vague right now um tifa i guess i would put third she to me doesn't really even seem like much of a character right now. I know. I mean, she just she's silent and sort of impassive, and every now and then she smiles, but she's not. She's more like a plot device than a character she's at so this point. She's so a plot device. Yeah. Um, and definitely, Royby and Wits I think are are really cool characters, but we've learned so much about them recently that I feel like they're not really super mysterious. But if I was ranking like these characters in terms of favorites, they would probably be Jamil then those two. Yep. Then the villains, then Tifa. But yeah. in just in terms of mysteriousness, I, I think I'd have to say Jamil the villains, Tifa, and then them at the bottom. Because I feel like, you know, while they might have shocking secrets that we don't know yet, I feel like we've kind of got their number at this point. What about, I feel what like about I you?
0: had their number before. Like, I understand that, um, uh, what's his name, had a family and his kid sister died. Uh, I'm sorry, kid brother died. Um, that was Witz v- Witz. Uh, how would you say that? They've been they saying say Wits. Wits. Wits, okay. So, um, yeah, so wits's uh, baby brother died of um, colony sickness and his father died somehow. And we find out in this last episode, like, how. But, you know, tragedy, but he's also a good person. And the two of them are so charming and settled in who they are that uh, they're not very enigmatic. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're not... I don't need to... I don't feel like there's mystery there. I feel like there's history, but, um, you know, that they'd openly tell me if I asked them to, because they're just those types of people. So they were already going to go on the bottom of that question of the who's the most enigmatic or who's the most alluring or whatever, however you phrased it. <laughs> um, definitely, Jamil goes on the top. And then for me, actually, it is Tifa, because although I am thoroughly annoyed that she's been treated and as a either a MacGuffin or a plot device or mostly a MacGuffin, and it's i just oh i'm so angry because that sucks she's she she's a good character like she there's so much opportunity to do with the character so i'm hoping that there's more Um, sometimes she's been known to step up, you know, when she's not splitting her head open from pain or whatever, or, you know, getting drugged against her will or getting snatched against her will or getting manipulated into being snatched against her will. annoyed, annoyed. I'm very annoyed. But, um, you can tell that there's more there. And so, yeah, she does go in my number two spot and then it's going to be the two evil brothers because I feel like I've got their number as well like even though (laughs) they walk around being all smooth and enigmatic and yes you can tell they're new types because they can psychically communicate with each other which is cool um and you don't know hey did they get those powers were they born with those powers I feel like they were born with those powers because they don't feel like they're paying the new type price as it were like with the constant headaches or the mood changes or something but they easily could have um They could have been artificial new types because of how they conduct themselves, which is to say they're a little bit unsettlingly maniacal about how they conduct themselves and how they sort of view the world and maybe how evil they are. But I don't know, because they seem to have um, they seem to have motives that go beyond them. So who knows what their shtick is? Who knows? Like they could just be broken people who were born with new type powers um, who are using them for ill. Which is a thing that could happen, right? Um, So I don't really feel like there's a lot more to learn about them that we don't already know. The details are almost irrelevant at this point because I feel like I've got a good bead on their characters. Um, And it'll be interesting to see what happens with them and what they learn but as to who they are and their backstories and stuff, I'm not that curious. I'm not as curious as I am about TIFAs, for example. So that's my ranking. Um, mm. One, you know, do you want me to go over it again or did you nope. get it? <laughs> yeah. So that, that was fun. Um, good job. What next? So
1: now we got uh, new episodes of The Mandalorian <laughs> and Star Trek Discovery.
0: Yeah. Your acronym made me cry. Okay. But we'll get into So The, the
1: Mandalorian, why. this was another good one. I feel like this was a definite step up from last week. Um, So this was chapter 11, the Mm -hmm. heiress. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, like when I hear the word heiress, I mean, obviously in retrospect, it's referring to Bo-Katan. Yes. Because she's the heir to the throne of Mandalore. And I understand that heiress is is just a female gendered derivation of heir. But when I think of heiress in my mind, I picture like, I don't know, like a a debutante, you know what I mean? Like, oh, the heiress. Oh, yeah. Well, that's how
0: it's most, yes. I I don't think of like...
1: I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'm, I was expecting—I was expecting like him to take some job where he's got to protect like this rich social life. I thought so too. To, you know but I mean? this
0: is more important. This is more interesting, right? That's how they subvert your expectations. That's why it's this great title because they're not wrong. That's exactly who she is. She is I'm Brooke not sure 10, what other word you would throne.
1: use. Like, she's not a princess. She's not a queen. She's not a like president. What would you? What would you use I mean that it really the is the best the rightful, word. It is. Yeah, but she's
0: it, the one with the rightful yeah. claim to the Mandalorian throne. Um yeah, that's a good good call. But it was I mean it was so great. It was oh.
1: really cool to see her so I mean this had been rumored, but it was really cool to see her in live action and see how they translated her to live action. Um mm-hmm. everything from the you know, from the look of the character, the armor which was straight out of the cartoons, to the the hair and the the way she carried herself. I mean, obviously she's got she's got the voice, but yeah. Uh, but it was really cool to see her translated in live action. Yeah. And, you know, what she what she wants is to reclaim the throne of Mandalore because we saw, last we saw at the end of Rebels, Sabine gave her the Darksaber. And she's like, okay, we're going to...
0: Time to rebuild.
1: We're going to, you know, help. We're going to fight the Empire. And then now here we are seven or eight years later and Mandalore is apparently... It apparently It <laughs> apparently still exists, but... Right. The common belief well, is to, that it yeah. is basically <laughs> devastated. And... Mandalorians are scattered and having to See, live in hiding. I'm
0: Wondering about that because now even the Mandalorian learns don't believe everything you hear, and there's such a knowing exchange of glances that I wonder if they just sort of isolated themselves to regroup.
1: Well, it was already kind of it was, kind of it was already kind of, of a, a devastated planet. Like right. it was already like basically but they are an arid desert where the cities uh, yeah. were like these domed cities because of a war that had been fought, you know, however long ago. So. It's possible that that he thinks that all those cities were wiped out. And in fact, some of them survive or something like that. Yeah, there is um, a home
0: to come back to is the point.
1: Yeah, but he's and he gets sort of disabused or at least challenged on the notion that his Mandalorian creed Creed is the only one. Because, of course, going all the way back to Clone Wars and then Rebels and everything else. Yeah. um, We know that Mandalorians take their helmets off all the time. All the time. uh, But it. It turns out that whatever sort of spl- Zealots, splinter, splinter, group splinter group of Death yeah. Watch raised him, which I guess is is also, I mean, we don't know how many of these like enclaves or coverts or whatever he's associated with right. over his life. It, it sort of, I find it hard to believe that he might have traveled to a bunch of different planets and met a bunch of Mandalorian enclaves and they all subscribe to this one weird fringe philosophy. Right. So presumably his contact with other Mandalorians has been fairly limited.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: but the if the the but the purge was only during the Galactic Civil War which is only five or six years ago and he's been raised by Mandalorians for like 20 25 years by this point but so don't you forget, think he would have no, had a lot of don't opportunities. forget at
0: the, at the end of uh, at the end of of, of of ah clone Wars, before Sabine died no the other girl the 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 one that was actually in charge of Mandalore um katans sister what was her name? Satine. Satine. I wasn't too far off. Um, before Satine died, um, in that entire conflict that resulted in her death, actually, I, I don't remember who did this, but they basically exiled Death Watch, which was why it was so interesting to see those guys were the ones that rescued um, Din... What's his last name? Jaren. Jaren. Um, in the first place, the, the, the foundling was found by... The exiles' death watch, which means they had a reason not to contact the original Mandalorians and also the freedom to raise him in their extreme beliefs. So. I mean, that's your answer right there.
1: I guess he just must have been kept pretty isolated for like 25, 30 years. I think that's, that's long, the exile at work.
0: To... <laughs> I think that's the exile. But, then, at but work. he's
1: been out. Act- he's been out working as a mercenary for however long. You think that he? I would mean, have...
0: yeah, but he was an adult, and at first he was with the faction. But then that got splintered up because of some because of another but if purge the Ma- that separated the Mandalorians. Separated them the Mandalorians
1: all... Were only wiped out five or six years ago. You think even if he doesn't, if he didn't encounter a bunch of other Mandalorians during his work, he would. They were they were you know a fairly they were a numerous widespread people only less than half a decade ago. You think he would encounter other people who'd be like, wait a minute, I used to know a ton of Mandalorians, and they all took their helmets off all the time. You know what I mean? Like you think oh, it would sure. come up if he's if because he, however long
0: don't to however Mandalorian splain however long he's been <laughs> working a as a mercenary
1: however long he's been working as a mercenary he hasn't been um, sheltered in in his weird cult for. That time, he's been out and about in the galaxy. You think he would have seen photos or met people who knew Mandalorians or met other, like, even
0: Are if... photos a thing in Star Wars universe? You,
1: you just think he would have, it, it would have come up, that's all. I don't know, so I thought that was a little weird because, I mean, if it was a thing that, like, after after the purge all Mandalorians started to obey this creed, or most of them did. That would Mm. be one thing. But the way he acts in this episode is like, this is the way it's always been, and he had no idea there could be any other way, which is...
0: Well, that's what he believes. Hey, man, maybe he's more isolated than we thought, okay? So maybe he rolled with his crew for as long as he possibly could, and it was only in the last few years that it all fell apart, and he's been working on his own. Yes, he's been collecting bounties, but where he's been sent doesn't necessarily intersect with mandalorian paths especially since they've gone to ground from his understanding that a bunch of them had to go to ground because they were being persecuted by the empire as far as he knows so that's why it's plausible that he didn't encounter them we and not only goes, that but trillions of life forms you think he's going to come across only mandalorians we know he, he goes to tatooine universe. all the
1: time and everybody
0: not all the time <laughs> I, he just everybody
1: knows. has been to tatooine at one Hilarious. time or another jedi mandalorians everybody so
0: it's true that is quite i think the he would
1: have you think he would have met up with somebody there frog like, yeah, people not only did i meet you know darth vader grew up here his yeah. son grew up here and then there was this other you know like oh and boba fett was here for a while like everybody has been on tatooine so you think yeah that hanging out in Moss Isley, as often as he does, he would uh, he would hear <laughs> some stories about Mandalorians without helmets. Um, yeah, but it was a really good episode. And so at the end, Bo-Katan gives him Ahsoka's name and where to find her. Yeah, I don't think he's going to find her in the next episode, or if he does, it'll be like a last-minute reveal at the very end of the episode because I have to think that the episode after that, which is the one that Dave Filoni is writing, is going to be the Ahsoka episode. Right. Um, yeah. If, the, if he had... And he say, which he would have, since he's one of the people running the show, and <laughs> yeah. like, which episodes are assigned to which people. Yeah. Um, I have to think that's going to be it. So maybe the next episode is him getting to this other planet or him getting to the... I, I heard someone say, well, what if he gets to this planet? And she is there, but he doesn't find her right away. First, he's got to go through somebody else. And that could be Sabine or it could be Ooh. Rex or it could be whoever or maybe characters we haven't met yet. But he's got to, like, prove himself once he gets there before he can actually So it's sort of, of a,
0: a spin-your-wheels kind of episode is what you're suggesting? Well, Before you get to I the, mean, I guess I mean, you could argue
1: that depending on how they do it.
0: Yeah. yeah but yeah, it's
1: going to raise all sorts of questions, too, because last we saw Ahsoka, it was five years prior to this. And she and Sabine were off to go try to find Ezra. So if she's hanging out now in the known galaxy again. What happened there? What What happened with huh. all that? Is there, you know, there's this oft-rumored Rebels sequel cartoon that. It may or may not be happening that could fill in that gap, but they're going to have to kind of give away the ending to that if here. If
0: anybody is going to be cognizant and um, probably do something to nod to the fans that we haven't forgotten that thread, it would be Dave Filoni.
1: Yeah, you just, I would think that, I don't know, it would seem weird to... Because to, it spoils that she survives that. It, anybody else that shows up well, with her... Well, both of them survives it, but I mean... I mean, it, I mean, what if Ezra's there? What if Sabine is there? Like, we know, we're going to know that they survive, obviously. It, it feels like you know it feels like a bit of a why would you do it in that order but I guess you know if you have a chance to put her in live action you do it and then if you have a yeah. chance to do more cartoons you can go back and fill in those oh gaps my God, later do you
0: think they would get to um t- t- is her name Tina or tia Tia sirkar
1: they might I don't know I'm not sure if the age
0: is it Tina or tia 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 sirkar yeah I'm not sure so if the age good. would
1: line up and, like, her body shape is a little different, too. So I could see that being... Maybe
0: a, a little, but not really. I mean, I mean,
1: much in the same way that Ashley Eckstein doesn't really, like... As much as her voice is the character, yeah. like, she doesn't really... Look, like, Rosario Dawson looks, looks more like, like an like older Ahsoka. version yeah. of Ahsoka than Ashley Eckstein does. So I feel like Katie Stackoff you could buy... Because it almost felt like they designed the character to kind of look like her a little bit. She kind of mm-hmm. has the same angular sort of thin face. Um, but I'm not sure if either of them you know, would work as well. So um, maybe, but maybe, I don't know. I mean, if it's just a quick thing, they could, but if she's going to be like a recurring character, there's also all these rumors about like an Ahsoka spinoff and all this stuff. And if so, they might want to get actors that are maybe like a little bit more high profile or they think are, you know, perfect physical embodiments for that role. If it's going to be more than just like a quick, if it's a quick one-off thing, yeah, put Tia Sarkar in some, dye her hair and put her in a helmet or something, fine. But if it's going to be like an ongoing thing for a spinoff, they might want to go with someone that they deem to be more marketable. I don't know. Who knows?
0: What do you mean? She's got clout. I love her. And she was in like four seasons of The Good Place. So calm your... Slow your roll. Yeah, (laughs) She was great. She's been great in everything I've heard and seen her in. But she's not on like
1: Rosario Dawson's level.
0: Okay, so she's B tier in terms of uh, A-listers versus B-listers. Like Rosario Dawson definitely cracked into the A-listers category. But she's a solid, solid B tier.
1: (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't mind if they used her. But I could see it being a bit like... a. With Bocatan, it's like if you're not gonna get Katie Sackoff, what's the point in even doing Bocatan? Yeah, you know what right, I mean? Because right, right. she just feels more indelible. To, plus, she's been playing her for so much longer.
0: Like it depends on the 10, fan you ask, 10, because years I at absolutely this point. believe the same thing about Sabine Rennan. You will have a tough time convincing me that somebody else yeah, do be
1: better. It's a little, it's a little different because she's been playing the role for so much longer and across multiple different series and different art styles and everything. Like fair. she feels more indelibly linked to that character. Yeah, fair. Some, I mean, you could also definitely say the same about Ashley Eckstein because she's been playing I know, that character for I even know. longer across even more different kinds of media. But I feel like the physical match f- isn't quite, isn't nearly as much there for that. That so is a bummer. The-
0: I, I actually feel really bad for her for, for that because that's kind of a bummer. I would have. I don't know. I, I mean
1: 15 years ago maybe, but I'd feel like now she she doesn't, you know, any any sort of resemblance that might have existed now as she's gotten older is is not as much there anymore, so I don't think. I mean if this had been 10 years, if if the if this series didn't take place when it was, you wouldn't be able to use Katie Sackhoff either because she might not have been the right age. It just so happened that when this series is set, yeah. it's kind of plus or minus 10 years Katie Sackhoff's age, you can kind of believe it. Mm-hmm. But if the series had been set 20 years after this or, you know, during the Clone Wars, for example, then you couldn't have used her because she would not look the right age at all. You would have had to recast. So there's a lot of variables. Um, the Star Trek Discovery, this one was called Die Trying. Mm-hmm. So here we meet um, the future version of the Federation and Starfleet. More Starfleet than the Federation because we get very little. And Saru even remarks on this. Like the two are definitely, we're definitely linked Historically, yes. Starfleet was, but I, mean, I mean, there's a lot of ambiguity about this because it's like it really seems like Starfleet is kind of the Federation's—I um, don't—I hate to use the term military when it comes to Starfleet, but you know what I mean. Their spacefaring, you know, arm of yeah. of the Federation of of the entire Federation. Y- yeah. But then we see that other planets, like the Vulcans and so on, still maintain their own ships with their own designs and their own personnel. Earth doesn't, seemingly, or at least not that we've seen. Mm-hmm. So Starfleet, is, is Starfleet kind of like the Earth's contribution to the Federation? Or is Starfleet like, you know what I mean? Like, that distinction has always been kind of weird. But I mean, you could, there's definitely always been a link, right? Like, Starfleet is obviously the main force yeah. of the Federation. Um, but one is the civilian government, and the other is sort of like a pseudo-military, pseudo-scientific organization. Mm-hmm. They maintained different... Uh, seats of power, right. right? Federation headquarters was in San Francisco. Uh, sorry, what did I say? Federation Starfleet headquarters mm-hmm. was in San Francisco. Federation, the capital of the, of the Federation is. Do you know this? It's on Earth, but do you do you know where it is? Paris.
0: Oh, that, that makes was in sense. one of
1: the movies. I think that was an undiscovered country. Um, so they're on, they're both on Earth, which makes sense given mm-hmm. Earth's historical role in you know basically founding both of those organizations. But they're distinct for reasons why you would want. A huge sort of right peaceful coalition of planets to have one headquarters, and you want it to be separate from basically the closest thing you have to a military, right? Right. right. Um. You wouldn't want your. You wouldn't want. You know.
0: Is this isn't this an Adama line uh, from Battlestar Galactica? You well, have it's to a keep different. the police it's separate a from, from the because military because the
1: Federation is not the police. The Federation is the government. You know. It's, right. But it's, it's the same same sort of thing. The reason why you would want them to be separate is you don't really want the I I mean, Mm -hmm. even in the U.S. it's a little different because the president is the commander in chief of the military. So the distinction kind of dwindles at a certain point. But you want them to you want there to be some separation. But here, even though this is this weird sort of cloaked, like cocoon Mm -hmm. structure that they've Mm -hmm. got going on, Mm -hmm. which is like visually fascinating and like theoretically fascinating, um, they say that this is like ne- the new home of Starfleet and the Federation, but they go in there and they meet Oded Fair, mm-hmm. and he is the commander in chief of Starfleet and yeah. there's no civilian government that's there to meet Discovery. Are they is there a separate is that down the hall? Or is Vance <laughs> is has have things gotten so bad and star and the Federation gotten so small and so tenuous? the Federation is basically now being being led by the military because that's the only way they've been able to survive because there's we you definitely get the sense here that they're under this and this is obviously like the theme seems to be the theme of where they're going with the season. They've been what remains of Starfleet and the Federation have been like constantly operating under a siege mentality mm-hmm. you know for understandable reasons, right? Their numbers have dwindled, they're in hiding you know, they, they, they've been operating in... Tri- it's like they say, they've been in triage mode for so long, they've forgotten there's any other way to be. It's like right. they're just putting out one fire after another trying to stay alive, right? Right, right. they With not their ex- limited resources. They're not... Ex- yeah. It's like Van says, we, we don't do five-year missions anymore. Yeah. They haven't been exploring. They haven't been... Like, this scientific medical problem mm-hmm. occurs in this episode. Yeah. And our guys from a 1,000 years ago mm-hmm. figure it out in five seconds. Yeah. But these guys just... That's not the way they think anymore, yeah. right? Starfleet has become... such such a like crisis dealing with, you know, crisis prevention and military action and not so much the ambassadorial or exploration or even humanitarian. Well, Well, it's all humanitarian because they're sending the ships out to like, oh, go cure this thing, go deliver this needed supplies to this planet. But it's all emergency stuff. It's like it's like Hurricane Katrina. Every day and on 38 different planets. Yeah. And yeah. it takes two months to get to every one of those planets. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And here's Discovery. And yeah, they're like privileged because they can be anywhere in a blink of an eye. Yeah. But I feel like definitely what they're going for here is these people come from like the golden age of the Federation and Starfleet. Y- oh, they I remember see. what it's like to be explorers, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And what Starfleet should stand for. Mm-hmm. And it's like if Vance, were, if, if everybody in this... Modern day, I say modern, it's like the 32nd century. If everybody in this future Starfleet drank the Discovery Kool Aid, mm-hmm. it's not like all their problems would be solved because they still have the major logistical problems of right. there not being I mean, very much dilithium. Right. But you do wonder, like, it's been, there's nobody left alive serving in Starfleet, probably, unless there's like a couple of super old Vulcans still hanging around or something that even remember what it was like in Starfleet or the Federation before the burn. You're like generations removed, like that guy. Sitting in his co- communication station from the beginning of the season, who yes. was like the son of the son of the guy who used, who was a Starfleet officer, right, right? Right. None of these people remember, you know, what it was like because they weren't alive. Right. So all their problems wouldn't be solved if they get reminded what Starfleet can be. But I think there's like a certain amount of it of like willing it into being, right? If yes. if all you're doing is just putting out fires and you you think that that's all you can be, you're never going to be anything more than that. But if they actually devoted some of their, even though it seems hard because they have so few resources, mm-hmm. if they actually like tr- tried to put more effort into like trying to figure out what caused the burn or, or trying to figure out how to prevent it from happening or even just sending out peacekeeping missions or like trying to reopen some of the lines of communication. Right. It seems like they're just, this is the way it is now. Mm-hmm. And there's no going back. All we can do is try to like maintain what we have. Right. It's the siege mentality. And yeah. so I feel like, what Discovery is going to bring is they're going to remind them, like, because the, even even the the sort of, like, hmm, like, looking down their nose at these throwbacks, security officer, that Vance assigned to Discovery for right. their mission in this episode, by yeah. the end, she was like, you people are really weird, but I got it, I got it. It's the whole, it's the classic trope, right? Like, yeah. you people don't play by the rules, but at least you get, you results, get results kind yeah. of thing, right? Yeah. She was looking at Reno and Stamets and, and Tilly, and they're like... You're the most dysfunctional crew I've ever seen. But so I,
0: unprofessional, I've, she called I've got me. to
1: admit, yeah. you know what I mean? And they, they can use a little bit and more And
0: here's the thing, though. They had knowledge that she really hadn't even heard before because you think that somebody who works among the stars would know something as simple. I mean, yes, I suppose the script had to... Um, uh, tell us tell us the regular hoi polloi audience what it is that they're trying to solve but you think that uh she she'd know about solar she'd know about a like solar flare basically yeah, like a star I, I, flare you know i kind of buy like, it
1: but i guess you would think that would be part of their but i mean but who, she,
0: she, the way it was played and written is that she didn't know she she didn't know that science yeah
1: but i i buy that because again like who knows what training it's, it's not like yes, oh, exactly. We're not but sitting. Was around, available we're them. not exactly. sitting around Starfleet Academy lecture halls exactly. for four years anymore, taking in all this wealth of knowledge from these sitting elder and statesmen and studying under a tree. There, there's yeah. like. Who knows how many these these people even had any sort of formal training and how many were like conscripted or were like the children of people that were on ships right. that eventually I mean, found their Vance way back. I mean, look at Vance himself.
0: He might have been a, uh, like a descendant of... I don't of... think any
1: of these people went to any sort of academy. Yeah. They probably all just got like the equivalent of on-the-job training, training, right? Yeah. And they know how to do... It. Like she was a security officer. Mm-hmm. She's like the equivalent of like the head of Starfleet security, it would seem at this point. Right. But I bet that's like all she knows. She probably knows very little aside from what she needs to like do her job on a daily basis in right. terms of like science or... Or diplomacy, exactly. right? Because it's just—it's it's literally just so been—it's literally been your
0: focus is on what you can do, and then you develop that skill. It's and been that's more than a century since yeah. anyone
1: in Starfleet has needed that, let alone a security officer.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So,
1: but I think that's all really well done. And so, you know, the thing is, they teleport. They they. they're teleported over at the beginning and you're like this is going to go one of two ways right like either this is and if it were to come at the end of an episode be like ah here's the relief they found Starfleet and everything's going to be okay if it's at the beginning of the episode you know there's going to be the shooter shooter drop drop. but again because I
0: was looking at all those wondrous shots in the very beginning with the opening credits with them uh, bursting through that little uh, containment cloaking bubble or whatever and seeing all those ships and that ship's a rainforest that ship's a rainforest that ship is part hologram that's kind of when you know it's going to be okay
1: because if they were like super evil or something they wouldn't have a ship called the nog they wouldn't have a ship called the voyager day this voyager j J, this is a starfleet that still remembers their past you know and and it would be too much if they got to the future and starfleet is now all evil it's like it's all section 31 everywhere now or something like that like which is what you worry about but i feel like like with earth where i feel like the writers did a good job of making it believably deteriorated Yeah. Like politically and and militarily from where we know that the heart is still there. Like Earth is still a utopia. They just got some shields up now and they don't like outsiders. Mm -hmm. Starfleet and the Federation are still Starfleet and the Federation. There's just fewer of them. And they're they're, stretched really thin. thin, And they're all really tired all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And
0: distrustful Um, because they have to be. Yeah, because they don't know. Like, they, they face things that our crew like, doesn't know about like either. Vo- so like, I can understand why like, they have their guards up.
1: It's like the year of hell yeah. from Voyager, except if it lasted for 120 years. Exactly. Right? Yes. It's 120 mm-hmm. years of hell.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like they've got no supplies. They've got no backup. Mm-hmm. They've got no ship. Do they have shipbuilding? I mean, we know so little about. it. Do they have... Right.
0: Plus, time travel is a totally totally thing. It may be illegal, but they don't have a way to really enforce it. So even though they have holograms now, that like doctor medical holograms that can that can literally um, um, tell whether a person is lying by the by by reading their synapses, by reading how their synapses fire, they can tell that degree. And they're still not willing to trust people that they interview because there are ways to you know they. They're, they're just guarded. Well, if it's Giorgio so can shut
1: down all the, the holograms by with blinking it a certain way, then yeah.
0: Well, shutting it down is one thing. Deceiving it is another, you know?
1: But I do think like it would make sense that there'd be holograms everywhere yes. filling all sorts of different roles. Yep. I do wonder like part of me is like this is like 800 years after the Doctor would have returned with Voyager yes. to the Alpha Quadrant. And then, so I'm looking at this and I'm like, are these holograms fully sentient? Are they are they are they data or are they the synths on Mars, basically? Of yes, holograms? I understand you. And if they're like, oh, I didn't even give it any. If thought. they're like the doctor, how are they being treated? Because it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, eight hundred years removed great. from the do- like. If the doctor got home and like all those Robert Picardo holograms, centuries later, are still like digging Cold rocks, running, yeah. in asteroids. That sucks, right? Yeah, you would hope that the doctor would have had some sort of and soci- societal influence. Right. It's hard to tell from this. They it did seem like some of the holograms were treated kind of dismissively yes. by some of the organic people. But it's also hard to tell if, if centuries in the future, these holograms are they sentient or are they just so advanced that they might seem sentient to us, but they're just really, really advanced AIs, right? Right. Is there a difference anymore? I mean, Star Trek would kind of lead you to kind of want you to believe that there is, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That at a certain point, something, whether it's an android or a starship's computer or an exocomp or whatever, passes some invisible threshold and becomes sentient. And at that point, they are worthy of recognition by, like, the Bill of Rights of the Federation or whatever, right? Right. Do these guys pass that litmus test? Or even if they did 120 years ago, are now times so tough that is like, look, we don't have time for those. This is what you don't want to see in future Starfleet, right? You don't want to be like, well, equal rights are out the window now. We need a slave race. <laughs> Let's get as many yeah. holograms in here as we can to do all the tough jobs that we don't have the people for, right? Right, right. And then we'll just shut them off whenever we want. And, mm-hmm. we'll, and we'll make their voices sound weird, even though the doctor sounded perfectly normal 800 years ago. I
0: heard a good criticism for that. It's because they were... Um... I think it was on the Vulcan Holo that I heard this, so I want to accredit the appropriate parties. But um, I think that it was a sound observation. I would have said the same thing. Um, but uh, they mastered AI to such a degree that you want to know if you're talking to a human or a hologram.
1: Well, so so two things about that. One is like... But if they're full, equal citizens... Exactly. Wh- and it that's How can you distinguish them? No, but Why if they're full, equal yeah. citizens, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. You wouldn't need to right. know. Yeah, exactly. Just, just like walking up to some person on the street, you'd be like, so wait then, a minute, I need to know whether you're Catholic or Protestant. No, you don't. Because if it doesn't matter, then you don't need to know that. You wouldn't need to know if this person is organic or a hologram. and right. So you wouldn't need some sort of like...
0: Right, but here's the thing. I think that that answers your previous question then, doesn't it? I think that they are there to serve.
1: So it's either that or I could see it being... Being like um try I can't think of a great analogy, certainly not one that wouldn't get me in some sort of trouble trying to come up with some crude cultural analogy, but like if if holograms have been equal for so long mm-hmm they might want, they might take pride in something that is, like, uniquely artificial about themselves. They might want to wear as, like, a badge. You know what I mean? Like, the way people from certain races like like to wear their hair in a certain way or dress a certain way or speak a certain, use certain slang or whatever as a way of, like, this is part of my culture, right? right? This is what makes me black or this is what makes me Latino or whatever, Right. right? This is what makes me a hologram. Right. And so... Maybe there's, like, a movement, a, you know, a social movement in hologram culture yeah. to use, like, artificially modulated voices because that lets people know that you're a hologram and you're proud of it, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Who knows? Like, this is just, like, speculation on top of <laughs> speculation. But I, I don't think we're given enough to make any sort of definitive statement one way or another. But it's the kind of thing that, like, I'm watching for. It's like, okay, I'm watching you, future Starfleet. Right. How do you, t- <laughs> you know, how do you treat your your holograms you know you yes. can judge a society based on how they treat the holograms among you you know <laughs> um yeah so yeah but i i mean there's so much interesting stuff to dig into here we didn't even get into like the main plot what about, about georgia about the well but the whole thing about the whole, the, the whole yeah, plot the about whole like advanced, the traveling yeah. to the the the, the, the how seed mistrusty ship they were yeah the seed all the ship stuff with Nan Nan and, behind. and and her yeah. her race and so on but I mean all that stuff was but at that point it sort of becomes like now we're in a Star Trek episode, yes, right? And that stuff very kind true. of proceeds the way you would imagine a Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. Very well done, obviously, and the performances are great and the writing is very good and the effects are great. But at that point it's like, okay, here's a Star Trek episode. Sure. But it's all the, like the world building at the at the at the top of the episode that is like really more interesting to me. It's like, okay, give me as much as you can about when you say that's when you say that Because we know Picard said in First Contact when Lily asked him how many planets are in this Federation, he said over 150. And I'm like, okay. Vance says at its peak the Federation had about 350. 350. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, that doesn't compute. Because I think that both he and Picard are probably defining worlds and planets in like a loose sense. Because when, when you think about it, like how many races have we seen in the Federation? We've seen dozens of races in the Federation, right? Sure. That would mean that they each only have... A handful of planets to the name. So how many planets have we seen in Star Trek that are populated entirely by humans? Humans, Earth has like dozens of colonies. We've seen them, right? That's if true. You count, so I think when they say 350 worlds, they mean like 350 capital worlds. I think they mean Earth, right. Kronos, Andoria. They don't mean Earth, the moon, Alpha Centauri. Right. Humans on this planet. Titan. Yeah, Titan. Right. I right. don't think they mean that. Because right, right, right. otherwise there's no way you'd you have way more than 150. You'd have way more than 350. That's fair. Yeah. Because we've seen fair. probably 100 human colonies alone in Star Trek. Right. Yes. And we know there's dozens of. I mean, we know that. From again, any world
0: that has war capable. <laughs>
1: again, we're going to bring up Daniels every week. Oh, we know that Daniels revealed to Archer that eventually the Klingons, by the 27th century, whenever the Enterprise J was from, eventually the Klingons joined the Federation. Yeah, the Klingons probably have how many worlds have the Klingons conquered and colonized? Oh my God. Dozens, yeah. hundreds. There's no way, like just just adding the Klingons to the Federation would bump up your numbers by double digits, if not triple digits, That's right? That's true. They're, they 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 they. If you look at maps, Star Trek maps. They control an area of space that's like almost as large as the federation.
0: federation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: there's no way. So I think when Vance says Klingon
0: Empire is called a Klingon Empire. I, and
1: I think when yeah. Vance says three hundred and fifty worlds, he means like three hundred and fifty members of the Federation. And like yeah. Luna and Titan and Alpha Centauri are part of like the Earth umbrella. Yeah. Much like Borath would be under the Kronos right. umbrella. Mean, yeah. So because, and that and that which is which I like because it lets me have the the federation that I imagine in my mind that existed somewhere between because if you imagine like 350 versus 150 that's more than twice as large Mm -hmm. right but the federation encompassed a huge part of the alpha and beta quadrants in Picard's time so to be more than two and a half times that large it would encompass either like the entire alpha and beta quadrants or alpha or like significant portions of the gamma and delta quadrants Mm -hmm. also and so and that's what i like i like the idea that at some point and now obviously it's much diminished but at some point in its heyday Mm -hmm. basically like every race that we saw in star trek was a part of the federation because that's like the utopia utopia that they were working for right neelix's people the kazon the Borg in some weird way, right? Mm-hmm. The Romulan remnants, like they were all part of the Federation at some point and it was great and then the burn happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. what I want to imagine. I don't want to imagine, oh, the Federation got a little bit bigger mm-hmm. over a thousand years? That's that's implausible, right? Mm-hmm. The Federation went from nothing to huge swaths of the Alpha and Beta Quadrant in just a hundred years, right? From like, mm-hmm. or 200 years, I guess, if you go from like Archer to Picard, the idea that with another 800 years mm-hmm. they would only slightly double in size doesn't really seem too plausible mm-hmm. even if they even if they just accepted the romulans the what used to be romulan space or the klingons that mm-hmm. would like triple the size of the federation mm-hmm. so i'd like to imagine that at its heyday mm-hmm. it encompassed like Almost the entire Milky Way, mm-hmm. and then this happened, and now it's all cut off. You know, so that's how I choose to interpret those numbers. Because otherwise, I don't think you can make any sense of. You can maybe square the 150 worlds thing from Picard, but 800 years later, mm-hmm. the fact that only 300, 350 worlds, I, I don't, I don't buy that. So that's my rationaliz- rationalization for that number, and I can't imagine it'll ever be proven or disproven on screen. Because how, how specific a scene Mm -hmm. would you have to write where someone says now when you say world like they're never going to write that scene so it's always going to I'm surprised they assigned any numbers to it at all because that's the kind of thing the fans could really well I've gone through every episode of Star Trek and there's definitely been more than three you know 100 by Picard's time there's definitely been more than 150 planets mentioned as part that like I would imagine they would want to keep that ambiguous so yeah. They just they look I can see I can see it in the writer's room. Someone said Picard said hundred and fifty, so we want a number that's a lot bigger than that. Let's say three hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think I think on the face of it it doesn't compute when you think about logistically what would have had to have happened over all that time. So that's how I choose to interpret that. But that's just me thinking way too much about one little line of dialogue.
0: <laughs> um, I really liked it. I like the I don't know, I like the hopeful thing. I think that what you said is, is right on the banana. It's just it's um, it's it's pretty obvious that like if the Klingon Empire controlled so much. I mean, if you think about it in our own world, England has so many territories. Like they have they have little tiny islands that are part of the the English Empire. Right. If the, you
1: would just say England is a member right. of. What is England a member of these days? Well, let's <laughs> just the say European the UN. Union. I don't yeah.
0: know. Yeah. Well, yeah, not anymore. But
1: well, yeah, like sure. I mean, how many little. Little islands
0: the, subscribe to the same thing, yeah. Or mean, in the Bahamas, on the, the other has territories the and protectorates
1: yeah. and stuff. There's like yep. twenty of them, even though nobody knows who they are, right? But they right?
0: Holland, same thing. Yeah. U.S., same thing. Like we have uh, territories and and little. I mean, just know, to, states.
1: to to pick another example, the Dominion, right? Yeah. The Dominion was was basically surrendered in Deep Space Nine. Odo has gone back to like over t- over time, world. hopefully, yeah. convinced them to be kinder and gentler, yes. right? If the Dominion eventually in some like kind, some like after Odo melds with them for like 200 years. Some kinder, gentler dominion joins the federation. That's the entire Gamma Quadrant, basically, That's, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a quarter of the galaxy, I mean, right unless... there. Thousands of worlds, tens right. of thousands.
0: But you're not. You're also. I mean, okay. So the political landscape would have shifted in that time too, because don't assume that just because. Yeah, if
1: they turtled up they on their have, home world, all right. those other planets are probably would probably going to go off and do the their thing. Would have reclaimed their
0: ownership. Yeah. Yeah. So and and they would have been right to but do so. But I'm just so. saying
1: hype. I'm just saying, like, just as one example. And yes, who I Who knows? Understand. Say it wouldn't take 200. Who knows? Odo comes back a year later because who knows how for them when they're in the link time passes differently for them Vulcan
0: is the probably a good example too because like Vulcan they have had uh, they look at us like infants because they've been traveling the the universe for so long, and for so many of their lifetimes, which are like three times the length of ours. Um, yeah, they've got all sorts of weird coloni- all sorts of they've colonies. They've got, got weird colonies everywhere. out there.
1: They mm-hmm. don't even remember their colonies out there, like the like the the like Ray Weiss's planet where they shoot Picard with arrows, right? Like that's that that was a quote proto Vulcan okay, society, yeah. Right, like very, does that yeah. does that count? You're I mean, because that's par- presumably part of Vulcan space. <sighs> maybe but i mean in, anyway. i'm not saying
0: vulcan space but yeah i don't know i mean i think that that would be its own world because they don't have world warp travel and so yes they're proto-vulcans but they're presumably not a colony because they're not associated in any way shape or form with vulcan except for maybe some cra- ship crash there once on a decimate planet anyway that's a bad example whatever it doesn't matter um Anyway, the point stands. Yeah, the political climate. But I think it's it's fine to say that it has 350 members and whatever territories they bring to the table, that's what they bring to the table because that's the idea of the Federation is that you pool your resources so that everybody can benefit. I think that's great. And I think that's what they want in the future too. This episode was really good because um, Oded Fair's character, what's his name? Vance, Vance. Um, Vance was really really cautious and really distrustful and I think that that's the smart way to play it in these types of conditions because you really can't take risks so I don't blame him Um, I think that maybe he made some some bad calls trying to separate trying to basically dismantle the ship for parts and (laughs) dismantle the crew for members um, without due consideration or even due opportunity but he was able to be convinced to see them at work and I think it was a good compromise to sort of basically hold Saru hostage, which Saru offered by himself because he knew that that would be something that would, I don't know, extend the trust that needed to be extended. He's like, listen, we're not here to screw around. We really mean what we're saying. And if this is the way I can prove it to you, then I'm going to stay here and you can torment me as much as you want to if they fail because they won't because I'm telling the truth. And I think that's a smart play. And him Vance taking that, at his word, and also sending his own people in there to file their reports and to keep an eye on things and to learn. Um, That was great, too. That's exactly what should have happened, and I'm glad that they were both at a place where they could make that kind of tenuous treaty for this mission and see how it would play out and see it work. And I think the, the fact that Vance referenced his officer's report was very important because i think that that shows that he trusts who he trusts but now he's extending that trust to them because it's i don't know it's earned it and it was nice it was nice and let's honey we didn't even talk about Georgiou.
1: Yeah, but we can talk about oh, some of that next Georgiou. week. Oh,
0: And who's the guy? Okay, just one little quick shout out. Who is the guy that was um, the, the, I wanted to say Wes Craven, but that's so not correct. Who's who's the director uh, guy? David Cronenberg. David Cronenberg. Yeah, director, actor who was opposite Georgiou. Oh my God, those were delicious scenes. So anyway, and The Ready Room was amazing again as well. So yeah, um, we're running a little long, so I want to wrap this up. It was it continues to be an awesome show. And um, I hope you like it. I hope you watch it. So what do you uh anything else to add nope. no okay so if you want to reach out to the show we have an email address mailbag at smarts our website is www.smartspodcast.com our twitter handle is at smarts and on facebook is facebook.com slash smarts how about a funny sound for us i don't have one how about this which is the um the, the inside the little bubble ship with the plants Ooh.